Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Hello, listeners. This is Politico's Nerdcast. I'm Scott Bland, your host. And we're coming at you today with a preview of this week's Democratic debates. And this is going to be the second set of debates of the primary season, Tuesday and Wednesday night in Detroit. 20 candidates divvied up 10 to a night on CNN. And we've got Chris Catalago, national political reporter for Politico, here in the studio to talk to us about it. Hello, Chris. Hey, what's up? Not much. Thanks for being here. Yep, of course. All right, so... Let's start out just quickly here, a little lightning round. What's the most important thing that you're looking out for on Tuesday and Wednesday? So I'm looking at the two big matchups. This is going to be sort of a higher level look, but Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on the first night and then the second night, kind of a a trio in some ways, but uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden uh, with a little bit of Cory Booker based on uh, the heat he's been bringing over the last few days. And now – Tell you you have a story out about kind of some of the the preparations and expectations going into this debate, uh, especially given what candidates saw work in June. Yeah, one of the biggest takeaways I think people people saw was the fact that conflict worked. Um, it worked among folks in the first debate with uh, Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke. Uh, it worked in the second, obviously with Kamala Harris sort of bringing it. Uh, at Joe Biden. And so I think people are looking at that in two ways. One, uh, how can you best sort of inflict pain and, and where can you pick your spot and really uh, get a, uh, the best of, of someone in a, in a moment of conflict? And the other is how can they sort of lay the groundwork, inoculate themselves ahead of time, kind of figuring out where they might have a weakness and sort of try to shore that up in the days before um, and we've seen that from a number of these candidates so far. I think we'll continue to see it. Everyone's trying to get sort of an edge. Yeah, and I mean, we're we're already seeing uh, uh, some candidates even joking about this, right? We saw Andrew Yang on Twitter this morning. He's tweeting at Michael Bennett. He's like, I'd just like to let everyone know that I'm attacking Michael Bennett uh, on on what Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever day he is. It's, Michael, you know what you did. I mean, that I'm pretty sure that's a joke. It seemed like a joke. Yeah, but, it's sort but, of a knock on us in some yeah. ways, right? Because as much as well, I mean, we're, we're acknowledging that this conflict does work, that right. it's these moments people can can make. But at the same time, we in the media are so sort of drawn to moments of conflict that I think campaigns who who may not have that sort of bump or have may not come in and, and drawn it are, are sort of uh, almost making fun of us in that moment. The other thing I think we kind of lose in the conflict is is – uh, what the debate is actually over and sort of the, the merits of it, the policy of it. And so I think that might be something that we come away with from this debate is is where do people actually stand on it and, and what are they actually saying? And I think you have candidates trying to kind of exploit or look at uh, Biden's long record. But in the last few days, the way this has kind of been covered is less of sort of a, a deep dissection of it. And part of that is because uh, Biden has decided to sort of move it into the present and kind of punch back. And so the result of that has been uh, coverage of the back and forth rather than um, the thing they're actually attacking him on. Which is criminal justice reform, exactly. right? Biden's yeah. out with a new criminal justice reform plan. Cory Booker is out there saying, uh, basically, this is BS. Like, I called him one of the architects of mass incarceration as Biden played that pivotal role in, in passing the crime bill in 94, which included a lot of punitive 
uh, measures. Biden's basically saying he's trying to he's trying to move past that, atone for it, and and he he took a couple swipes at Booker too. His record as mayor was not exactly, uh, you know, the criminal justice reform image that that uh, Booker projects today, but, you know, people change. Yeah, and what we haven't seen in the last few days, kind of going back to the point I just made, is you, you, we've seen sort of uh, Biden take on Booker and um, or at least kind of hint that that's what he's going to do on the debate stage. What I really wonder is uh, will Biden come back and really explain that evolution in his record? Will, will he do it later in speeches? Will they force him to do it on the debate stage? The other question is basically whether – this debate that we've seen the pre-debate taking place, will that play out again on the stage? Um, Biden, I think the strategy seems to be, and I think some of his uh, advisors have kind of acknowledged this, he's basically trying to sort of get that stuff out there ahead of time so that when it does land on stage, maybe it, uh, the surprise factor is gone. And so we've already heard Cory Booker make this charge. Do we care? I mean, a lot of the power of Kamala Harris's was that uh, it really took a lot of us by surprise. And I think she benefited more by the surprise factor than by maybe the content of the actual hit. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see where that goes. And of course, we've seen candidates in the past, Tim Pawlenty comes to mind, right, who have telegraphed attacks and then not not been able to pull it off on the stage and they come off looking looking really bad. Yeah, uh, just exactly. From, from I got a performance perspective. Totally. I got a, a text from someone that said, uh, uh, are we going to see the booker that we've seen um, uh, going back to even before the first debate, he was really the one who was the aggressor against Biden um, because of uh, the, the comments Biden made sort of tying himself to segregationalists. And I, I think that was really kind of Booker's story at the at the time. And then Kamala Harris sort of took it away on the debate stage. And I think the, the text message basically said, are we going to see, you know, that Cory Booker? Are we going to see Spartacus? You know, the, these set pieces, it, there's something to be said about the actual uh, performance of it that that is that goes beyond uh, just uh, the content. I'm curious. I want to hop back to something you said about the 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 role, potential role of these debates in in someone like Biden um, having to you know not just lay out policy but explain evolution on things, right? And this is something you've written about a little bit in the past. There's been a lot of confusion about Biden's stance on some issues. The death penalty, for one, he's now against it, right? That's in. That's in this new plan he put out. He was for it for a very long time. But there was this incident that you wrote about a few months ago where he was in New Hampshire and he congratulated the state as kind of an aside while answering another question. By the way, congratulations for repealing the death penalty. And then never really explained it. The campaign wouldn't answer questions about whether he was actually for or against it at this point. But presumably he could – I mean now he's clarified it. Presumably he could on the debate stage clarify a little bit of why he's made that that evolution. Are there any other candidates that jump out at you as uh, having uh, policy or, or personal issues that that you're interested in seeing kind of just explained a little more, getting a little more backstory on if, if they get the chance to or if they're pressed to go into it on the stage? Yeah, there are a couple of these. I mean I'll, I'll start with Harris uh, – you know, the, the thing that I think we took away from the first debate is she was basically on offense the whole time. I mean, she was really the aggressor. She was able to kind of get some of her talking points out. Uh, two issues for her is someone going to kind of come at her based on her uh, rec long record as a prosecutor um, and attorney general in California. The other one for her um, that's been sort of a uh, murky one is her position on Medicare for all. 
And she came out recently and said, um, I'm for it, but I don't think there should be a middle class tax increase. Um, she's gotten some sort of blowback on that from both sides of it, from both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, basically saying that uh, she's not being honest about this position. And so having to explain that to a few reporters in a kind of press gaggle and having to kind of tell Jake Tapper your position in front of you know tens, if not more, million viewers is a big uh, difference. And so that that spotlight will be on her. Obviously, we saw in the first debate, people judge get questions um, about his record in South Bend and the firing of the police. Yeah. And I think you know he dealt with it by saying, "Hey, the buck stops with me." Was essentially what he said. But now you know he's being asked basically on a daily basis how he's going to get his numbers up with uh, voters of color. And I think people really want to hear where he's going. I mean, the criticism that started around him is, um, you know, what is his message besides sort of generational change? And I think. Him really articulating this plan that he's put out in the last couple of weeks, the Douglas plan, and sort of giving that 30-second elevator pitch and seeing whether that's really a credible pitch coming from him, I think is going to be really the next step to his campaign. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the dynamics among these these kind of top four, top five candidates and what they're forced to explain, the, the interactions between them are going to be really interesting. Then you've got kind of the, you know, you've mentioned Booker. Uh, there's, there's a few others who are kind of in the second tier. And then you've got a, a third tier that's really kind of looking at this point at possibly their last chance to make a national splash before the next round of debates, which if they don't make that splash, they might not qualify for. The next round of debates starting in September, right, we've talked before on the podcast, has uh, way stepped up the qualifications, right? Instead of 65,000 donors or uh, a poll at 1%, it's 130,000 donors and I believe four polls at 2%. And so that's a much higher bar. And potentially, you know, you could have some folks going into Tuesday and Wednesday night thinking that they need to do something to force themselves into uh, that next set to get through the summer and, and, and be able to prolong their campaigns and get into those debates and continue to have that flow of oxygen for, for them through the rest of 2019. Yeah, it's really difficult to figure out how these folks can continue to run sort of a credible campaign when they're missing debates. You know, if, they, if missing that third debate is going to be uh, potentially the death knell for several of them. I think there's some things we've seen in the last few weeks, um, some dynamics. The, the climate mantle, I think, is still an important thing in the, in the primary. And I think uh, Jay Inslee seems to be in some ways in danger of kind of losing it to Tom Steyer. Mm. Um, Steyer has uh, essentially unlimited money to spend to, to try to qualify. Um, he's a little bit better known. We've seen he's, he's already hit, I think, 2% um, uh, somewhere. And so uh, that is, I think, one result of it. I think um, if Biden has a really strong performance, um, it's it's also hard to see how that wouldn't really hurt some of these other folks um, uh, kind of running as moderates who are on the bubble of missing the third The ones debate. who are really unknown. They're really point, like staking their – Bullocks. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're staking their candidacies on, on Biden falling and falling quick, not, you know, not mm. waiting until Iowa basically. Okay, that's interesting. And so, and so I think if if Biden comes out strong and is able to maintain this, this lead that he has and that he's continued to carry – um, even into this debate, even after the first one, um, uh, those folks are are, are going to uh, be hurt by it. Uh, uh, several folks I talked to about this seem to think that um, 
people want to see them take their shot. They want to sort of know that these people are really running for president. I mean, there's so many people on the stage. There's, there, there's, uh, you know, the idea that they could be running for a cabinet position, could be running for sort of VP. Um, it, you have to kind of give people the sense that you're up there running as president, and they're all going to try to do it in, in sort of different ways. Um, right now, as we were talking about uh, earlier, they're sort of taking their shots at others who are sitting around 1%, 2%. I, I don't know that that does it. I think that you got to kind of go for the, the king or the queen at some point. Punch up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, the, certainly no shortage of surprises and, and interesting moments in the first round. So uh, we're going to be watching closely for the second round. Chris, thank you for coming in. Yeah, looking forward. And listeners, thanks as always for being here. Remember, keep an eye out for our debate coverage on the show on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. We're going to take a key moment, play the whole audio of it for you, and then break it down. No sound bites, just smart analysis. And if that's up your alley, you should also check out the Politico Issues Tracker. We've got reporting on the positions of more than 20 candidates on more than 50 issues put together by more than 100 Politico journalists. You can find it at politico.com slash 2020 issues. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you right after the first debate.